one of the key strengths of United Nations is uh, our ability to convene, the, the convening power. You can't transfer all the legal instruments that are applicable to the physical ecosystem and think that they will be uh, efficiently applied in the digital ecosystem. That's Bernardo Mariano Jr., the Chief Information Technology Officer of the United Nations. My role in United Nations evolves around three letters, to ensure, to enable, and to secure. To ensure that digital technologies, information communication technologies, support the mandate of uh, the United Nations. The digital technologies enable innovations to really uh, create efficiency and make sure that we advance and accelerate the, the achievement of sustainable development goals, as well as our common agenda, which is what in the private sector will be the equivalent of a strategy, the next five-year strategy, but as well as to make sure that our data and digital assets are secure, because the cyber, cyber, cyber attacks are, is, I mean, we are not excluded from that, and in, I would say, if 40 years ago, a flag of United Nations was enough for everyone to say, okay, let's, let's not do it anything, let's respect the, the, the blue helmets. Uh, today, in the cyberspace, that, even in the physical space, that's not, the, the United Nations flag is not enough, so we're not immune to attacks. So, so yes, the securing the UN data and the digital assets are, I mean, the, uh, is, is one, so one of the core areas and of, that, of my mandate. I think people don't realize that the United Nations has a very sophisticated and elaborate broadcasting capability because we all want to watch those, those meetings. And your organization is responsible for that as well. Yes, indeed. And if you watch the Security Council, if you watch the deliberations of uh, General Assembly, if you uh, are able to follow those discussions behind that, it's a, a great team uh, from my office that makes it possible, uh, together with uh, the other colleagues from the, from the General Assembly meeting and secretariats, that, uh, that we make it possible to make sure that uh, these uh, uh, discussions and the interventions of the heads of state that you hear reach everyone in this world. So, so indeed, there's a great team behind it, but also to make sure that we are protected from any uh, malicious attack that uh, would try to interfere in those proceedings. Before the UN, you were the CIO at the World Health Organization, and I just have to ask you, what was that like to be in the middle of who, the WHO, during the pandemic? It was intense. The first pandemic in the digital era, where in addition to what the virus was creating and is creating in, um, in the physical ecosystem, the whole misinformation and the whole uh, digital um, uh, issues that we had to deal with, 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 that, with to the point that actually the the term infodemic was uh, started and emerged. So we, uh, yes, I had uh, uh, an intense period. And I wanted, but I want to thank uh, uh, the collaboration of uh, 
the private sector over I think somewhere around 60 companies gave a lot of pro bono um, support to a tech company gave pro bono support to the World Health Organization but also a, lot, a number of universities and uh, so, uh, and civil society so pan while it was intense from the perspective of uh, a number of hours dedicated to address the challenge that we had every day, uh, but it also was rewarding from the perspective of seeing non-traditional partnerships emerge, especially between pri private public sector, uh, to really together work towards uh, uh, supporting to, to address uh, in a better managed pandemic. So that was the rewarding part and, uh, and it, was, uh, it was great to, to be there. It was great to be able to witness that uh, common work and collaboration with a number of sectors that normally we don't work together in partnership. Your work at the United Nations, uh, tell us more about that and where you're, where you're focused. And then let's dive into digital transformation at the UN. But, but just set the stage for us. The strategy centered around three areas, digital transformation, innovation, and cybersecurity. So those are the three areas that, are, that, are, that, the, that this, this strategy of the UN is centered. And that digital transformation, it's, it, the strategy speaks to the Secretary General common agenda, and within the common agenda, there are 12 commitments. Out of these 12 commitments, there is a commitment number eight, which says upgrade United Nations. And within that upgrade United Nations, there is one of the targets, which is a quintet of change to, uh, that addresses data and then digital, addresses uh, analytics, addresses innovation, addresses uh, uh, strategic foresight, uh, performance indicators. So address a number of areas where information technology, it's not just an enabler, it's actually a precondition to achieve the UN, the upgrade of the UN or the UN 2.0. So that's uh, where this, the center of the strategy is to really take and upgrade United Nations to make sure that all the great work that we do in the physical ecosystem, all the deliverable of help, support, um, all the work on peace and security that we do in the physical ecosystem, there is some sort of, a, I, I call it, a, don't want to call it a mirror, but perhaps a, t a twin of that work in the digital ecosystem. So how do we ensure that the, the upgraded UN operates better or as, as, as well as it operates in the physical ecosystem in this emerging digital ecosystem? It's interesting you use the term digital twin. So it sounds like you are trying to replicate the activities of the UN in the digital sphere, but in some cases even do it better from what you're saying. Yes, indeed. I mean, the question that I ask to, when I interact with uh, uh, my colleagues, the United Nations Secretariat has uh, somewhere around 60 entities uh, uh, and those 60 entities deliver different parts of the mandates 
let alone the agencies, funds, and programs that we have in the United Nations. That you mean to, so you can it can add up to somewhere around hundred entities across the system delivering all the uh, the the seventeen targets of Sustainable Development Goal. Now. We have been operating in this physical ecosystem, and the question I ask, and what I, that what I, I, that the, how I start to trigger the conversation about the digital transformation, it is about what are we doing as United Nations in the digital ecosystem. So, what are the services that we have available in the physical ecosystem that we want to see them in the digital ecosystem. And how are we either doing advocacy or actually run operations in that digital ecosystem? And, and, and basically, what is the UN, if I take the example of, for instance, uh, uh, gaming, uh, so if the gamer is operating in that digital ecosystem, where does he find the United Nations? when he or she is actually inside the game operating in that particular ecosystem, let alone in other ecosystems. Uh, I mean, that way. So, and this conversation started because I, when I visited the, the tech uh, sector in, in San Francisco, when I was at the World Health Organization, that was the conversation I was having with the Googles, the Facebooks, and, the, and, and the Amazon, uh, and a Apple about the presence or absence of United Nations in the digital ecosystem. Please subscribe to our newsletter and subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can stay up to date on our amazing live shows. So you began with the examination of the, the role of the UN and then the digital aspect followed from that. Traditionally, when we... I mean, depending on the generation, my generation, perhaps we, I would say, look, we, the, the web was a great thing. The, today's generation, web is actually pr pretty old. So, so there, is, there, is, there is the metaverse that is, uh, is starting to emerge, but there is all social media, there is all uh, uh, platforms. And, and if you take, for instance, Google or take Facebook, and, uh, and, and today, everybody, before they go to a doctor or do something, they, they Google. And, they, and based on that, they, they are informed on, in, in that space. So if the United Nations is not present in those platforms and ecosystems, so the answers we want to give to the world, uh, be it uh, governments, be it individuals, will also be absent. And if there is absence of the United Nations uh, perspective, and uh, then that void, that vacuum will be filled in and can be potentially filled in by either inaccurate information or misinformation that then takes its own life. So therefore, uh, our, the role is to really make sure that what we do in the physical ecosystem, uh, we create that those capacity, capability, information, uh, and access in that digital ecosystem. Of course, we have to remember that uh, a little bit more than half of the world is connected. So there is the other part that's not connected. So we need to operate in this hybrid board in those two ecosystems. 
Talk to us more about this eco ecosystem concept that you've described a few times, that you've mentioned a few times. I think it starts with what piece of information you have or what, um, uh, what impact you want to make on the world. And based on that, uh, uh, it goes to how do you want to reach your audience, be it uh, individuals or government. Um, and think about this analog uh, perspective where, for instance, you, you use the radio to, to pass a message or to inform about anything you're doing, and then you actually forget about the internet, you forget about social media. So, so if, you, if you, we operate in one channel, we, and, and then basically we have a part of uh, the, uh, the world listening to us. So therefore, the work of the United Nations, the services that the United Nations provide, the capacity that the United Nations brings to government, people, uh, uh, and societies, uh, needs to be in needs to be delivered in those multiple channels, and those channels I call them. Uh, I divide them into the two ecosystems. One is the physical ecosystem, where actually. Uh, somebody from United Nations goes to a beneficiary and delivers the aid, if it's humanitarian, or speaks with the government or two governments to discuss about, uh, about uh, peace and security. Or the other ecosystem where perhaps two governments are starting uh, as, uh, 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 to, uh, to, to attack each other in the digital ecosystem. So, so could be actually a pre-condition uh, of, of a war where it starts in that ec digital ecosystem, where then if we are able to intervene earlier, so we are able to, of course, avoid uh, uh, impact on the physical ecosystem. We have an interesting question from Twitter, and this is from Arsalan Khan. He's a regular listener, always asks such uh, good questions, and he says, how do you develop a five-year strategic plan with input from 190 members or 100, uh, uh, not sure if I have that number correct, uh, given the fact that they will not all be at the same stage of digital transformation? And so how do you create a common understanding from these member states when you're trying to develop a, a common single plan? Think about 193 member states and you wanted to say that, okay, perhaps the outcome of a strategy will be an average strategy, meaning that the strategy will not be excellent, it will not be so bad. Um, uh, but the, what we, the way we operate in this is that basically we first, first of all, we engage with the you know, private sector to, to support us in that development of the strategy. We engage with uh, some experts uh, that, uh, that the country sent to, to work with us to, to, to really fine tune that strategy and the, and the member states uh, approved. But like any role for any CIO, there are two elements that the CIO responsibility cannot, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's important, it cannot be un, uh, underestimated. One is, of course, to, to share the vision, so the way forward. But the other one is to actually educate your own audience about the importance of that particular vision. Meaning that 
if a country maturity on digital or on technology is low, it is my responsibility to actually uh, create, raise the awareness of that particular member state to uh, help them understand the importance of that particular vision in the strategy. So, 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 so that's how I, I address the different levels of maturity across uh, countries on, on technology, uh, but also the same is applicable even internally. Within the different entities that we have, uh, there's a different level of maturity in terms of technology that my role is for those who are uh, early adopters, they are advanced in that maturity level. So of course they, uh, it, it, they quickly understand that, the, that vision. For those who are not, then it's my responsibility to actually bring, raise that level by creating that enabling environment for them to understand the importance of that vision. Your vision is very, very forward thinking. The idea of replicating the physical ecosystem into the digital world, anticipating uh, relationships, digital relationships that may not be happening yet. Are there are there challenges getting uh, so so many diverse points of view on board with this, or does everybody sort of get it? I mean, there are challenges based on what I just described in terms of uh, understanding, uh, uh, but also there are challenges uh, around the 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 risk appetite of different uh, member states vis-a-vis -vis, uh, those uh, frontier uh, technologies and, and, and solutions. But also there are challenges related to, to different interests of the different uh, member states uh, or that are members of the United Nations. So those challenges uh, are, are there. I mean, it's all, it, and if I take that and bring it to within, within a company, you also have the similar challenges, meaning that uh, there are some people, some entities will say, yes, let's do it. Some others will say, no, no let's not do it because of the, the different levels of risk or risk appetite for each one of them. One of the key strengths of United Nations is uh, our ability to convene, the, the convening power. So we master that ability to co the, uh, to, to convene and try to find consensus, start to find understanding, and 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 try to chart uh, uh, some a, a common uh, agenda, a common strategy. But as, yeah, it, it 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 behind the scene, it 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 doesn't is not as smooth as I'm describing because it requires a lot of negotiations, a lot of. Uh, interactions, a lot of informal interactions in addition to the formal interactions to make sure that everyone is on the same page. We have a really interesting question that's just come in from LinkedIn, and this is from Suman Kumar Chandra, who says this, and he's talking about this, this ecosystem and getting everybody on the same page. After you share the vision with all of the entities and the countries, how do you measure the success of digital transformation uh, when all of these countries are at different levels of maturity? And he wonders if you can give some examples. So the basic question is, how do you measure the success of digital transformation in such a very diverse environment in which you're operating? I mean, my office, in this case, in, uh, we support the secretariat 
to, 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 to so I mentioned the UN 2.0, but also we support uh, entities that support countries, so we work in partnership in, the, in those instances. But then, then we, within the countries, if I give an example of um, uh, counterterrorism, so we work with the United Nations Office of Counterterrorism, supporting a number of countries to develop the capacity to address this uh, um, 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 uh, problem in two areas. One is the uh, is is basically on the on the travel area, so counterterrorism travel, and the other one is counterterrorism financing. Um, Within that, uh, we do have, for instance, uh, uh, countries such as Norway uh, that are very advanced. They already created, for instance, a passenger information unit that really is able to, 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 to work within the country, within the national set setting to, to, uh, to track this issue. But remember, counterterrorism is not national. It's transnational. So any country alone cannot solve that problem. So, with, together with the United Nations uh, Office uh, of Counterterrorism, so we, we, we promoted uh, the establishment of a, a personal information, uh, uh, passenger information unit in countries to such a way that they can share practices and, and, and all the rest. So, from the technology standpoint, my team supports that. Uh, with the technologies. Now, within that technology, so we do have a situation where, for instance, in Norway, they have already some systems that we need just to integrate the system we develop with them. In countries such as my own country, so I can use Mozambique because I'm from Mozambique and so I will not offend anyone, they perhaps the level of maturity, not perhaps for sure, the level of maturity is low in the, in the, in the, on the technology front. So then we support the establishment of a system almost end-to-end uh, uh, -end to, to address end-to-end -end process. So on one end, we have an end-to-end -end process. and the other end, we have perhaps an end application program interface that interface with an existing system that, that just adds that, that component of counterterrorism. So, so that's how we address different maturity. And I mean, both from technology perspective, but also from financial support that some countries will not require that, the other countries will require that, so, and, and some countries will not require a lot of training, some will. Some will, will. So, so, so that is, that's how we, we, we address And that's one of the challenges of the UN across all services we provide, because we have countries with a different level of maturity on pretty much everything. So you have a, uh, a common mandate but then you work individually with each country based on where they are at this at the particular moment in time and what they need, and then you help supply the capabilities based on those particular needs. Yes, and then the performance indicator is not a, a cross-cutting performance indicator that says, okay, every country should be here, but it's a performance indicator that says, this is the baseline and that's the progress we want to see. Um, and, and actually, this is an excellent question in terms of a performance indicator of digital transformation. So, so being uh, uh, the, the chief information technology officer, uh, I would say the most senior technologist in the United Nations, I also chair a group that brings all the CIOs and CTOs of United Nations. And, and in our next meeting in, in Geneva, Switzerland, in next, next month, this is one topic that... Uh, 
that the group is, 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 is bringing to the table to find a, a common ground. Uh, and we are bringing some private sector companies to actually also support us in addressing the, 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 the measures or the elements that will allow, allow us to bring within the system the performance indicators to measure the progress of digital transformation in the United Nations. So that, but the, the example I gave to you was related to countries, so how do we support countries? But the, the certainly key performance indicators to measure digital transformation, it's uh, how, is, is what would we need to make sure that we can either decide that we are static, regressing, or progressing in that transformation. On this note, Arsalan Khan comes back and he says, how do you gain consensus with such a large group, 193 member company countries? The strategy, for instance, if I take the strategy as an example, it goes to a group of experts that, uh, that, uh, that we have from, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a smaller group uh, of 30 plus uh, members that then they are the ones who actually provide the recommendation of whether what we, st- with what we wrote in that strategy it's, it's in line with uh, uh, the, the other uh, strategic uh, elements of uh, uh, and targets of the United Nations. Uh, so that, that group of experts provide recommendations to the, the nine, 193 member states who then in the General Assembly uh, they meet and they, and they look at that, those recommendations from the experts. They look at what we provide. They look at the answers we provided to all the questions from the from the from the from this group of experts. Then they make a decision uh, based on that. Let's talk about data. Can you describe or tell us about the role of data in your digital transformation efforts? If you actually look at the, the top ten. Uh, largest company or richest companies in the world, you will see at least three of them that uh, that leverage on data: Amazon, Google, uh, Alphabet, uh, Google, uh, uh, Apple. Uh, I mean, to, to name few, uh, even Facebook. So, 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 the large, largest data is it's 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 a new, I would say, valuable asset. So. But for, to leverage on that, on data, there are a number of capabilities that we need to develop. So part of the sector general data strategy. So we need to, first of all, attract more uh, professionals on data science. But also we need to leverage on the diverse uh, uh, data that sets that we have. And, and we need to develop capacities and, and democratize data analytics, which, 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 which we are doing, uh, uh, but also uh, making sure that uh, data privacy uh, uh, is, is is an intriguing part because uh, we talk about human rights in a in a physical ecosystem, human rights in a digital ecosystem requires data privacy. So those are the kind of work that we're doing, the type of work we're doing uh, within the United Nations Secretariat, but also across the United Nations systems to make sure that uh, that um, the asset that today uh, uh, it's very valuable, which is data. It's uh, preserved, it's nurtured, and it's used for the benefit of all and to really advance the goals and, the, and, 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 and especially this, this sustainable development goals 
that we that we we have, we have agreed with the countries, the 17 goals, in addition to the 12 commitments of the the United United, United Nations Secretary General Common Common Agenda. So so that is the work that we do on data. I'm assuming that your organization, your team is also responsible on a technology level for ensuring that there's some, to the extent possible, consistency uh, uh, on the kinds of data that's being collected and providing the, the infrastructure for that? Or is that left just to the, to the individual countries? Or how, do, how does that work? One of the areas on, on data is the development of uh, uh, interoperability capabilities, right, within across because... The United Nations is like a large uh, multilateral uh, federal system of uh, uh, many, many entities. And then, of course, there are data sets and siloed data across. Uh, Similarly, if you take at the government, at the national level, you also have silos of data. So, So we look at what the what the private sector has done to leverage on data, how interoperability was a key component to 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 make sure that uh, one version of the true is there and not two versions, but also to make sure that the duplication does not exist in terms of data and in, in terms of uh, of how uh, uh, we we leverage on that data. So 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 basically. Within, with, with, with that in, in mind and with that goal in mind, we, we, we address it in two prongs. One is, of course, internal work, but the other one is how do we bring the private sector to, to collaborate. And we have great work, even when I was at the World Health Organization, we had great work with a number of private sectors to create, for instance, the World Health Data Hub. So uh, some countries plus private sector we came together to 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 create to to create that. And World Health Data Hub is not about a, a data warehouse, like bring all the data together into one system, because that's an old concept. It's about how do you leverage on the data that exists in those silo systems, but to create that interoperability framework. So the same thing that we promote countries to do. Same thing that we work with the the the, the United Nations Tech Tech Envoy to really establish that digital cooperation. And there is a digital cooperation report from Secretary General to, that addresses that to make sure that countries uh, leverage on, 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 the, on, those, on those platforms of interoperability, uh, be it open source or not, to actually being able to, to, to better use the data assets that they have. And ArcelorCon comes back again. Arcelon is on a roll today. And he says, how do you ensure that there are checks and balances, that the data is being used properly, that there's no um, data manipulation uh, of other members? How, how do you ensure that? Cybersecurity is a key component. But as I said before, data protection uh, and privacy, it's key. First, from the policy perspective, I mean, you, you do have mem- countries that don't have that. Uh, uh, updated uh, data uh, p- protection uh, and privacy, uh, but but we we look at it from one the policy itself, second the capability to protect uh, uh, against uh, any malicious uh, attempt to either manipulate, change, or access or or or, or, or I mean accesses and sell perhaps. So, so, so we work in those uh, two fronts, uh, from, from the uh, 
the, the policy perspective and, and, and operational perspective to make sure that uh, the data is, is, is protected. And, uh, and there are United Nations agencies that work with the beneficiaries, so we do have the data protection and privacy enforced to ensure that uh, the data is not misused. At the national level, of course, we promote and, uh, and encourage countries to, to, if they don't have instruments, to then look at the international instruments to, on, on, from the policy perspective to protect the data of their citizens. And Chris Peterson comes back and he says, does the UN take a position on the rollout of global, global technology services uh, such as Starlink, for example, and the power to turn that off or turn it off, turn it on at will by private entities. It's a little bit more onto the policy side. I'm not sure if you're comfortable taking a, tech, a stab at that one. I think the question is the, what role of private sector have in in uh, in 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 delivering services such as uh, um, internet. For, for like uh, like Starlink, but also you can talk about Facebook, you can talk about uh, even Twitter, right? Uh, I think that's where I say, I mean, in the, that digital transformation, the new partnerships between public and private sector needs to be, I mean, st strengthened. But not only that, the legal frameworks that we have in the physical ecosystem needs to be changed to in the digital ecosystem because you can't, you can't transfer all the legal instruments that are applicable to the physical ecosystem and think that they will be uh, efficiently applied in the digital ecosystem. So countries, uh, we encourage countries through the different uh, mechanisms that we have and our, the convening power of United Nations to, to raise that awareness, to make sure that countries look at into, into those areas to ensure that, uh, that as the new business model emerge, um, the protection and that is required and the, se the security that is required uh, 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 is preserved. I mean, I can give you an example in that, from that, uh, that I give normally when I, when I, when I speak about those things, right? So, so think about uh, um, uh, Amazon and the, book, and the bookstore, right? The bookstore used to exist selling books in many countries and, uh, and today, uh, the bookstore perhaps doesn't exist anymore because people just order from Amazon. But Amazon does not have a, a shop in that country. It's a, it's, a, it's a global company. So the rules of even the rules of taxation needs to change because suddenly the, the, the bookstore that was registered in the country, in a specific country, I mean, was paying uh, local taxes and whatnot. It doesn't exist anymore. Think about Uber. So there, there, there is a change in, the, in, in, in this digital transformation of uh, different sectors. I just gave you an example of a uh, retail sector on books, but also the, the transport sector uh, or, the, the, um, on, or the related to Uber. But there are many other sectors where then countries' uh, rules and procedures and legal frameworks need to be adjusted to make sure that the protection of the consumer is there. And we... From the United Nations, our role is to, as a, as a, as a uh, we, as having a convening power, we bring countries together. We bring the private sector and the private sector to discuss the, the, the rules of engagement as we uh, embark and transform different sectors 
to make sure that uh, the physical ecosystem and the digital ecosystem coexist in such a way that one doesn't uh, 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 impact negatively on the other. Your view of digital transformation seems extremely broad. It's not just the technology, but it's all of the other pieces. How do you how do you translate the physical world into the digital realm? As you said, it may be technology itself as the enabler, but you've been talking about things like business models and legal frameworks, for example. So you have a very broad view. We have a digital business transformation strategy for peacekeeping. Just to give you an example, that's peacekeeping, right? And peacekeeping, what is peacekeeping? Peacekeeping, we go to a country after the, uh, after the Security Council uh, decides, gives us the mandate, and we establish a, uh, a peacekeeping operation. And a peacekeeping operation normally in those countries means a huge camp, okay? if, which is a very physical infrastructure that we establish there. Uh, for a number of years, operating uh, thousands of uh, staff, uh, resource, both uh, f- uh, civilian and military personnel that that operate in those in those environments. So the digital business transformation for peacekeeping. Uh, if I take one example, smart camps means that we need to transform how we manage that camp in the digital ecosystem. Meaning, we. We do have a, um, um, a program called Unite Aware that basically we have a, a, a reflection of the camp in the digital ecosystem. So what are we doing in terms of power generator? How much fuel consumption we have? Where we have incidents? So all that is created in this phys- digital ecosystem, which is ref- it's a, it's a I mean, I don't. I mean, we, I wouldn't call it a twin, but it's a reflection of what's happening on the ground. So, but for that requires transformation of the business, transformation of processes, uh, change, uh, and 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 capabilities of uh, of people to actually cre- create new process procedures, and 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 and, and that's where I, when I say digital transformation. I mean, we should read the digital uh, business transformation where technology is a piece of it, but the business is a bigger piece. We have uh, another question from LinkedIn, and we're just about out of time. We have a few more questions. You can see I love taking questions from the audience. Uh, So I'll ask you to answer these relatively quickly because we're just going to run out of time. And I try to get everybody's questions in. Okay. This is again from Suman Kumar Chandra. And he says, can you give one or two examples of how digital transformation at the UN helps people at the base of the pyramid in a big way? So how, do, how does digital transformation help those who are less fortunate? We used to do cash grants. I mean, we do cash grants in many, many agencies. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm talking about agents' funds and programs in the United Nations, so across the system. Meaning that if there is a earthquake or, or cyclone, so we can have an operation where we give cash grants. So we help with the housing and all the rest, but then we say, okay, here's the amount of money for the family to, to be able to... To, to, to go through that process difficulty. We transform that into uh, a, a, a digital uh, uh, um, money where 
then mobile money becomes a, a, a vehicle instead of cash grant. With that, we are able to track whether the expenses of the cash grant actually is addressing the need of that family. Meaning, if the cash grant was meant, if I give cash, let's say you can say $100 or $300 to, for a family uh, in cash, I've, I, I have no way to actually be sure that actually the $300 was used for what it was in the intended purpose. But uh, with the mobile money, uh, then that becomes uh, possible to, to, to measure the effectiveness of that cash grant. So just, just one, that, just, just, this is just one example. And we have one more question. I'll, again, I'll ask, ask you to, to answer this very quickly. Again, from Arslan Khan, he keeps coming back. And he says, Do you, does your organization give advice to the member states about the impact of AI on their workforce? We do have a number of uh, working groups and on, on AI. I mean, even during my time at World Health Organization, um, we, 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 we have the, I mean, a working group to deliver the ethical use of AI uh, in health sector. Uh, so yes, we do give advice to, to countries. Uh, currently, we do have uh, an interagency group that works on, 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 on the impact of AI. So say yes, the answer is yes, we do provide advice, and, uh, not only on AI, the use of other frontier technologies such as blockchain, and, and then the, the, the elements of protections that countries need to, 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 to have to make sure that uh, they ripe the benefits of those technologies, but also they, they make sure, we want them to make sure that uh, they uh, minimize the risk that uh, these technologies bring as well. And now we really are out of time. And so I'm going to ask you one final question of my own. What advice or message do you have to policymakers in government on digital transformation? Digital transformation, as I mentioned before, is not just about uh, introducing a new technology. It's about introducing a new way of business. If I take uh, health as an example, we have uh, the targets for health for all. So telemedicine, it's one way where technology supports. Uh, food security is another one. But all I want to say, first of all, is that uh, countries need to consider the creation of, uh, um, I would say, entities or assignment of uh, some entities in the government that track digital transformation. And uh, I want to commend a number of countries that already established either ministries or, 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 or offices that track digital transformation at a national level. But the countries that are developing countries, uh, I, my message is, Digital transformation can help to leapfrog that development gap uh, if it's well used. So if countries want to leverage on digital transformation, so the, the, the whole of government approach and, and, and the establishment of cross-cutting uh, uh, services uh, across government would uh, help governments to really uh, leverage on digital transformation to achieve the national goals, but also the sustainable development goals. So all I want to say is that uh, uh, it is countries, and from policy perspective, but also practice, will need 
to put attention to it. Of course, from the United Nations perspective and also the, all the multilateral organizations, we are there to help to make sure that uh, countries advance in their, from where they are today to where they should be with the help of technology. Okay, again, a very broad view of digital transformation. I want to say a huge thank you to Bernardo Mariano Jr. He is the Chief Information Technology Officer of the United Nations. Bernardo, thank you for coming back to be a guest on CXO Talk, and I hope that you will come back for a third time. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. And thank you to everybody who is watching, especially to those folks who ask such uh, excellent questions. Now, before you go, please subscribe to our newsletter and subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can stay up to date on our amazing live shows. Thank you so much, everybody. I hope you have a great day and we'll see you again soon.